0: Hello and welcome to the Be Well, Do Well podcast. Today is a bonus episode where I'm excited to chat with a remarkable entrepreneur that's going to share his amazing story of struggle, success, and extremes. At four years old with eight kids, Juan's mother and father left Mexico to start a new life in America. By nine, he was getting up at 5 a.m. and working in the garlic fields with his brothers and sisters. So as you can tell, hard work is not a stranger to Juan, and I'm so excited to learn about the mindset that got him to where he is today as the president of Sage Real Estate, the leading multifamily and commercial real estate brokerage in Long Beach, California. Welcome to the show, Juan.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And, I mean, I'm excited to be here, and um, yeah, thank you for, for the intro.
0: Absolutely. Now, before we get started, I have to ask, I've got one sister, one sibling, and she's been a big influence in my life but we don't always get along. You've got seven siblings. I'm curious what that looks like in the Weezer household.
1: You know, it's the most interesting thing, how close we are till this day. We are like, we are on this massive text thread where all the siblings are on it. All my sisters, all my brothers. And it's like, we're kids, like we're like high school kids texting left and right. And people are, you know, sending pictures of their kids. Kids' graduations, kids' birthday parties, weddings that are coming up within the nieces and nephews, because now there's a lot of us. And people are amazed that there's this much level of love and communication with all eight siblings. I guess I'm amazed by it too. And if anything, you know, sometimes people are like similar to you, or, you know, if you have one sibling or two siblings, and maybe I think with there's so many of us and we're all different, but I think because there's so many, if someone was going to be left out, the, there's someone in that family that would kind of bring them along. And so it's amazing, you know, how close we are still. And this last weekend, I got to see everybody. We had a nephew get married and to get everyone, to get everyone together is the, the best thing. It's, it's all I could ask for. Yeah. Hatch, match, and
0: dispatch. I always say, right? Like when a baby's yeah. born, when you get married and when unfortunately somebody passes away, right? The family comes together.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Family is always a big thing for us, you know. As East Indians, I, I was born in Africa. where heritage is East Indian. Family is a big thing, right? Back in the day, they used to all live in a small village. All the kids running around, and you know that was the way it was. My parents always taught us that education is priority, and I and I know that your parents also taught that as well. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but all of the eight siblings all got college degrees.
1: Yeah, correct. So. Probably my parents' biggest accomplishment in their life is to be able to get their kids out of Mexico. Where at that time, the highest education that we could have gotten from the, from, the, from the little town that we lived in was sixth grade. So my parents only have a sixth grade education. And because of that, they didn't want us to experience that. And that's the, that's the reason why they left Mexico. And so their biggest accomplishment was to bring us to the U S and I'm, I'm super thankful that, you know, I'm an American citizen and, and that all eight of us had the opportunity for college education and yeah, all all eight of us have degrees and that, I think that's my parents' biggest um,
0: accomplishment. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now in the intro, I mentioned about hard work, not being a stranger to you, tell me a little bit about you being nine years old. and getting up early in the morning at 5 a.m. on a hot summer day, going out to the garlic field when your friends from school are probably out riding their bicycles or
1: playing. What, What does that feel like when you're doing that? You know, when I was, when I was eight, well, listen, when we came from Mexico, we came here for one goal was education for, for us. Okay. And so my. My parents, you know, so my dad worked in the field. My mom worked at a little local Mexican restaurant. They didn't speak English. So this was like entry-level minimum wage jobs that they were entering. And so the family needed to contribute. At that time, like the youngest was three years old and it went all the way up. And every two years, I feel like we, there was another sibling that we had. So everyone had to work. By the time I would see them in the summers go to the fields. I had been asking since I was seven years old to asking my dad and mom to please send me because I saw, yeah, it was hard work, but they were together and I loved my siblings. And so although they were waking up super early and coming back tired and fatigued and exhausted from working in the in the in the fields all day, I wanted part of that. And so When I was nine, my dad finally let me go and I got to wake up early with everybody else. And this is in the Central Valley. So the Central Valley of California, hundred plus degrees every single day. And You know, back then they would clip the garlic by hand and that's the work that we did. And so this, this starts in July. So from July, all the way through the end of August, you're working in the fields. That is when, that is when the crop is being clipped. And so we were there at the, at the hottest peak in the summer. And that was what we were doing every single day. This was Monday through Saturday.
0: Wow. Wow. And that, I mean, that, that sounds like just from what you're saying, the heat
1: getting up early, right? Being out there, it sounds like hard work. So let me, let me tell you one of my biggest takeaways from working in the garlic field. So Mm -hmm. when, when we're working in the fields back then, after you clipped the, the head of the garlic and the bottom of the garlic, you know, it's kind of a garlic bulb, right? So each one of those goes into a five gallon bucket, an empty five gallon bucket, something that paint would come in, right? But now it's just been cleared out. So you do that until you fill it up and once you fill it up you you've earned a dollar so they give you a card and they punch the card and so now i was 9 years old so like on my my first week i was filling up per day 9 buckets a day so i was i was i was making 9 dollars a day and it wasn't that i was making is all of us worked together as a family so whatever the family made that day all went back to help my mom and dad i learned Early on, that the harder I work, mm. the harder I get rewarded. And so my brother was a little bit older, so he was making more than nine. And then by the end of the summer, you know, I was starting to make more and more. And in my head, I was like, "Wait, the 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 faster, the harder that I could clip this garlic, the more money I could contribute towards the family." So, so taking that, taking that on and and applying that through you know, elementary, and we got middle school, you got high school. Well, now I'm in college, right? And so in college, if you're an accounting student, where I was in school, every accounting student, like their dream job was to work for one of the big four. So this is Deloitte & Touche, KPMG, Ernst & Young, and PricewaterhouseCoopers. So these are still what they call the big four. They're the big four accounting firms in the world still to this day. Mm-hmm. So when you're an accounting student, they they tell you, hey, you have to have good grades. You need to be involved and have leadership roles. You need to interview well. And so all these things, you know, at the university that I went to, I didn't know how to interview. I mean, I didn't even know how to properly handshake. You know, tying a tie and all these things were things that I was not exposed to. Like I didn't have a dad or an uncle or anyone that taught me these things. So now so now I'm at the, at the university and I realized that the university, the university has mock interviews where you could practice interviews mm-hmm. and so i took advantage of all the resources that they had mm-hmm. and i learned all these things that i didn't know and so by the time by the time by the time the accounting companies came around i made sure that my grades were were the best they could be you know i graduated with honors i made sure that i was involved at the club levels and that i would take leadership roles there and so you know i was bilingual that certainly helped and by then I I had practice just to get good mock interviews. I, w- I would attend these clinics, these little courses they would have, and I would just go until I got better and got comfortable. And so I was fortunate enough that because I did everything that I was asked of me, and in my head, in back of my head was like, hey, the harder you work, the harder you're going to get rewarded because I'm bringing these kind of that same work ethic that I got early on working in the garlic fields that... As a junior, the first company to give me a job offer, this was like a year before I even graduated, that was Deloitte & Touche. Yeah. So they gave me a job offer. And what ends up happening in the accounting world is once a firm gives you an offer, the others all kind of follow like, oh, like, hey, they were vetted by so-and-so. And so then then came all the others. Right. And so that was going to be my path is I, they said, I ended up signing with Deloitte & Touche because they were the first ones I felt that were, actively recruiting me they were the ones who wanted me the others kind of followed along after someone said yes to me Mm -hmm. and so i'm like you know like i want to be loyal to them i feel like they saw the talent and maybe potential in me and so i had signed on with deloitte and i'm a junior in college and i have one more year to finish Mm -hmm. and i and they say hey just finish now you know the stress is off of Like, what are you going to do for a living? This is what you're going to do. You're going to do, you're going to work in the world of audit, right? It's not a sexy world, but you're going to work in the world of audit. And within three to five years, you'll you'll become a CPA. You'll work your way up management. You're going to work a lot of hours, but you're going to have a lot of connections and and resources. And this is, you know, this is a way to to start off as a professional. So I was excited. You know, this, this was going to be my this was going to be my career.
0: That's amazing. Now, before we get into what happened next. I want to touch a little bit on the fact that we're both parents. We both have young kids. Mm-hmm. So how do you instill that
1: that drive and hunger in your kids from a young age? How old are your kids again? So I have two daughters, a 12-year-old, Vivian, and then my my 9-year-old, Solana. She's, so I got 12 and 9-year-old daughters.
0: What What advice do you have for the parents listening here for instilling that need and that desire to want to do more and not just get
1: distracted by all the the digital, the tech, the screens? I mean, I, that is a really tough question because I did it out of fear and there was no safety net, right? I did it out of fear and there's no safety net. Mm-hmm. Well, your kids and my kids have a safety net, they have us, okay? So that so that's the very tough part. And so, but as I think about it more, because I do get this question asked often, well, Juan, how can you take what you have and now give it your kids? Because what you have, you're like, you really want more and you want the best out of yourself and you're going to push yourself. The only way that I could possibly teach that is just through being who I am and they get to see it every day. Being who I am and they get to see it every day. Now, teaching that, you know, they're never going to work in the garlic fields, but I but I've done a little, miniature documentary on my family i took a camera crew up to the central valley where i'm from to capture what life was like you know the the whole waking up early we caught that all on video i actually went back to the garlic fields and i got permission from one of the farmers to to record what that is and so it's some of those things i interviewed my sisters my brothers and we talked about what life was like in mexico what it was like um coming to the U S and actually crossing the border. And then what life was like here when we were having to work in the field. And so these are videos that now we have, these are videos that my daughters get to watch, our nieces and nephews get to watch. And it's just a constant reminder of where we came from. Life is much, much different for you now, but we're not going to forget why we're here and still is why are we here is education. And I, and that's still the goal with my daughters, it's education. It's still to them the exact same thing. The, the exact same message my parents had for us. I want them to have as well.
0: Our parents when they moved here, you know, mine from Africa and and yours from Mexico, it was they were working a lot. They were working hard. You know, they had little, and it's hard to have a wellness routine, right? To to find that balance, which is so elusive.
1: Yeah. So yeah. one of the I guess newest activities is that we picked. I picked up running. I you know I, I think I had mentioned before that I had done. 11 years of CrossFit where like, you know, I got physically fit and CrossFit's like a, yeah. a different type of quick, fast workouts with heavy weights. And so that was great. And then I kind of picked up running and for the last three years, I've done multiple, multiple uh, trail runs, marathons, half marathons. And then most recently I got into a triathlon and so I did my first half mm-hmm. Ironman. And so I spent, yeah, I wake up really early and I spent a lot of time either riding the bike, swimming or running depending on what the schedule is for the day. And so what does your morning routine look like? So I wake up at five in the morning. I spend 10 to 15 minutes meditating. I spend 15 minutes writing. Mm -hmm. There's a terrific book. It's called The Artist Way Morning Mm -hmm. Pages. If you read that book, you'll see the importance of just writing. And so I write and a lot of ideas and creativity comes out and you don't even know where they come from. Mm -hmm. And, And it's this beautiful thing. So meditation, I write. I stretch. I'm a big believer in stretching. I stretch every single day because I know I'm going to push my body mm-hmm. and I don't want my body to break down. I don't want it to let up. And then after that is when I start my my workout of the day, whatever that might be. That's amazing. Yeah. getting up early, it definitely has benefits.
0: I get up pretty early and I, I know when I I was never a early morning person growing up. And then I started to become one and I saw those benefits. And I've also done the morning pages is there something when you're doing the morning pages, like do you have a column on the side that's like, when I have this inspiration or something, you know, the spark of genius, you just like jot it down on the side? What's your process
1: for that? So the w- the, the way the book reads is you you just start writing mm-hmm. and, he, and if you have nothing to write, you write your name. Or <laughs> If you have nothing to write, write the things you're grateful for. But this is not a journal. This is once you start writing, ideas start coming up. And I'm not even like trying to like, Bring these ideas up. I just start writing, and things come up, or feelings come up, and it leads to results, or it sparks this light light bulb in my head of like, aha, I could use that either towards something for the family, something personal, something financial, or even for my business. And I really, really enjoy it. Something I would have never done in the past, but you know, I got to learn from the people that are doing it right, and a lot of people do to write in the morning. Do you find that it helps you overcome like blockages if you're
0: something you're working on and you're stuck? you may not be going into the morning pages with a looking for a solution but do
1: you ever just like find the solution when you're when you're letting it flow through you sometimes you find solutions to problems you didn't know you had okay that is the most amazing part that is the most amazing part and when you go back and you start reading there's patterns to what you're writing and then you get to see like oh i I address that concern. I address that issue. I actually did that. Then it feels so good. And if you didn't, you know what ends up happening is that all of us have all these ideas and stresses in our in our head. Mm-hmm. You need to get them out of your head. This is the one way that I get them out of my head.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Do you mind sharing something that like a problem that came up or a challenge that you didn't even know you had?
1: So typically they're like work, well, typically they're like marketing problems. Like who am I gonna hire? Sometimes it's like, who am I going to hire next? Interesting. You know, like, you know, for anyone who's an entrepreneur, they're like, we want more leads. And so, you know, a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, there's like a hundred different things that are going on through our heads. And, you know, we're we're the rainmakers, we're the marketers, we're everything for our business. And so well, recently I was like, okay, where, where are my pain points in my business? And what are the things that I no longer want to be doing? Because I want my productivity to be at a hundred percent. I want to do the things that, that like my time is uh, in best use. Right. And so what came up, I made a list of the things I didn't want to do. And through that, I was able to hire someone to handle that list. And that came directly, directly from morning pages, just writing in the morning. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Now, I I promised that we'd come back to
0: what you do now and you could have been an accountant, Mm -hmm. but you're not one now. So
1: what happened there when you had your offers? You know, it's interesting. I spent all my you know, five years in college getting this job with this accounting firm, right? And then, so there I am with, the, everyone wanted to be in my position. A junior going into the senior year knowing that you have a full-time job. Like that is what, this was in, 2000, this was in 2003. And so then I had a salary waiting for me. It was, it was great. Well, as a senior, I meet someone and his name is Mark Milan. And Mark Milan was a real estate investor. He was a real estate broker, appraiser, contractor. He was all these things surrounding real estate. I met him as a senior and he offered me a job and I needed a job during that time as a senior. And I started working alongside him. And as I was working with him, I saw him building wealth through real estate. And so I saw him buy commercial buildings and he would always figure out, so he would buy like vacant commercial buildings downsize them into smaller commercial spaces, improve the property, mm. and then bring in new tenants, bring in good income, and then he would refinance and then build wealth. And, he, and I would see what he was doing. He did this with commercial buildings. He did it with apartment buildings where he was always looking to add value. Sometimes he would simply refinance it and like keep the property. And other times he would sell it and buy another larger property. And I saw this with hotels, self storages, commercial buildings, apartment buildings, houses, whatever he could do to build wealth, he was doing it. So my entire senior year was, you know, getting through the last of my accounting courses and working with Mark as his assistant. You know, I was just running around with whatever he needed to do. Well, as I got close to graduating, Mark got used to having me around. Okay. And so he said, hey, I know you told me that you wanted to be a CPA and do this accounting thing. No pressure, but I would love to keep you. Like, what is it that they're going to pay you? I'll match the salary, but more importantly, I will teach you how to build wealth through real estate. And at first I said, no way. Like, like I'm, I'm set. I'm going to be a CPA and everyone, I mean, for the most part, if you tell someone you're a CPA and granted, I was 22 years old, very, I was young and. And to think that I was going to be a CPA and, and you know, that was going to be well-respected. My parents get to tell their their friends, hey, you know, Juan is going to become a CPA. I thought that was going to be my path. And so at first I told Mark, no, hey, I'm just going to stick on this plan. Back then it was all about your resume and who you had on your resume and who you work with. And so I told him no. And then what I realized was the accounting recruiters that were recruiting me, I told them what I was doing during my senior year as a, as a senior and who I was working with. Well, they wanted me to set up meetings to meet Mark. They, okay. they were, the accounting recruiters were more interested in what I was doing with Mark than what they were doing in accounting. Mm. And so then that kind of got my head scratching, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I was like, wait, why is it that they're more interested in learning how to building wealth or rest? Nice. Mm-hmm. When they're, you know, they're all CPAs now, like, aren't they happy with that? And I thought, and, well, kind of a small story. Mark, so Mark Milan is the person who offered me the job. His mentor is a guy named Jeff Chauncey. And so Jeff Chauncey, I got to meet every now and then. Well, the day that Jeff Chauncey was set to retire and he was going to move to Florida, he I ran into him at the bank. And so Jeff waited for me to be done with what I had to do. And I'm in the middle of, of like my decision making, right? Like, what am I going to do? Which direction? You know fork in the road they're both good options where do i go and so jeff waited for me and he's like hey juan i'm about to catch my flight i'm leaving i just want to you know say it was good to meet you he's like if i could give you some advice he's like i know mark asked you to, to stay on with him and he said if i was you he says i would go learn how to build wealth in real estate hmm. he said because that is unlimited he says if you become a cpa yes you'll have a good salary but you're going to be capped you're going to be capped in when in, in that profession he said but if you could learn the way that mark is building wealth there's no limit to what you could do and kind of hearing it from someone who had already made it was retiring you know he had his yacht waiting for him in florida i was like well and he said hey what's the worst that could happen you could always go back to accounting you could right. always Accountant. so i that day i pick up the phone i called deloitte and touche and they were so upset i called them and i said i'm sorry but i decided to go in a different direction and they were upset you know they were waiting for me to graduate and go that route but you know as a you know by then i was 23 mm-hmm. i you know I, I guess i took a leap of faith afterwards everyone all my friends and all the kids in my accounting department thought i was an idiot they're like yeah you blew your chance you worked so hard for this and you're just going to go do real estate that makes no sense and so through the years there was there was times where i was like i may have made a mistake yeah and you know now it's you know over 20 years or something that i've have graduated since since been out of college and now looking back it it was the best decision that i could have made but early on it's hard to know that you know now looking back i'm so glad that i that i made the decision that i made you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? You look back and you're like,
0: I know I made the right decision now. But when that doubt crept in, what did you do? Did you did you consider going back? Did you were you <laughs> like, I'm stubborn. I'm just gonna keep
1: going. <laughs> like, well, no, I'm you not- know, and I don't, and I wouldn't even say that I'm stub stubborn. I I always know. That a lot of people know more than me, and I'm open to learning from everybody. Yeah. But you know, there was a lot of early success that I had in real estate, thanks to Mark. You know, he showed me how to get started and how to invest and how to you know create wealth, and so all these things started happening early on. And so when things got tough, I always wondered, what if? Like, what if I would have become a CPA? What if, if I would have joined this company? There was always that, but at no point did I want to go back and call them and say, "Hey, I'm right. You know, I'm ready to come back." Yeah, what and certainly like? now it does. Now it doesn't even cross my head at all. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. That's a good thing. One of the mantras that we have at
0: home here is that everything in life is a wonderful journey. And we tell our kids it's wonder filled because you don't know what's going to happen next. And it's a journey because it's not just the destination that you're going after. And Mm -hmm. you know, when I hear your story about moving from Mexico, you didn't know what was going to happen, right? Then you go to school, then you go to middle school and high school and then college, right? And even at the end of that journey where people think that College as you know, graduated from college as your end goal. You still were ready to take that ninety degree turn, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it is crazy, but I'm I'm happy that it worked out for you, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that's amazing. Now, are there any? any productivity hacks? Like you, You're a very efficient person to get all of this stuff done. You've got kids, you, you know, you're, you're busy in your business and you take time to, to run crazy, crazy marathons and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have some productivity hacks that you'd like to share with our audience for, for them to get stuff done?
1: Yeah. And it's going to be as simple as filling up your calendar with the things that are important, okay. filling up your calendar. So if you look at my calendar, five to seven 30, completely blocked off. Mm-hmm. 5 to seven thirty because that's going to be my morning routine and, and my workout this is every day yeah. and then but then you know obviously then we schedule out the day but then when i get home six to eight phone is off nice phone is off because i can't, do not want to walk into the house with being on the phone and then i have to wait to hug my daughters no way So it's off. I put it in my briefcase. I zip it up and I just leave it in my car. Now, because I own my own business, I know things are going to happen between that two hour window. And after we put them to bed, then I'm going to come grab it. And there might be some work that I have to get to, but there's a lot of scheduling. And so I feel like, you know, when it comes to working out, because people do say, well, how do you have time to work out? It's again, early morning is getting that stuff in in the morning, Mm -hmm. then I don't have to worry about that. You know, I'm the kind of guy where like, I have to work out every day. Like this is like seven days a week. There's really no recovery, even though they say that's good. It's I'm just going hard. And so then I go hard in the morning and then I check that box and like my body doesn't need that anymore. And now, you know, I could go hard at work and and then I could go hard and being the best dad and husband that I could be once I get home. But it's just, everything has to go on the calendar. Every little thing has to go on the calendar. And that's probably in terms of being productive, that has to be the number one thing you know, but you know, there's a lot of apps. I mean, I use, you know, Headspace. I use Headspace for, for my meditation. You know, there's a, there's a certain app that I use for stretching. And so I let, you know, I, I'm a consumer of these products because it makes my life easier and it takes the decision-making off of my hands. And I'm like, okay, I just follow the script that they have for that day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love that because
0: when you say, "Take that decision out of your head, right? Like I said so many people yesterday, I was talking to my son, and I said, "When you have too many decisions to make, you go into decision indecision, and then you're stuck. You can't make any decisions right yeah. and do you do you sometimes get stuck in there where you're like, or does that morning pages and meditation does that help you not get stuck in making a decision?
1: Everyone's going to get stuck. It's just how long do you get stuck and how frustrated does that make you and and you know, really what ends up happening is that frustration gets you more stuck. And there's really, there's no productivity in being frustrated. And so I'm not going to say that, you know, my morning routine clears everything, you know, you're still going to get stuck. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, I have a wonderful team in my business and man, I love masterminding and brainstorming with people. I love it. I love it. I love it with any issue that I have. I'm like, I have this idea or this thing's bothering me and I'll bring it up to my team. And just getting ideas on top of ideas and their ideas and leading off of that and building and building on ideas from a business perspective is my favorite thing. And typically, you know, to, to your point, I still get stuck, but I will talk about be being stuck with other people. Right. And through that, through that collaboration is where solutions are found. That's very cool. So
0: we've learned quite a bit about you in terms of, you know, your backstory, your your morning routine, your wellness routine. But is there any one thing that people would be genuinely surprised to learn about you?
1: Well, it's probably not a good thing, but lifelong, severe stutterer. I am a lifelong, severe stutterer. And I mean, this is something that for the longest time in my life, I wouldn't talk about because I didn't want to face the fact that I had this speech impediment. And so I tried to hide it. I tried, but I mean, well into my adulthood, this is high school, college. And I realized, I mean, that the, one of the reasons why I chose accounting Mm -hmm. subconsciously, I chose a profession where I didn't have to speak. Mm -hmm. I chose a profession that really, you could do auditing and you're really not having, oh, this is what I thought, that you didn't have to speak with a lot of people. And so it wasn't till I was about 35 that I got a little bit of therapy and I joined Toastmasters and I faced my biggest fear. It's just regular communication. So, I mean, when I say that I stuttered, I was afraid of picking up the phone and saying, Hi, can I speak with a mean like that would not come out of my mouth. There'd be like this, I would get jammed up with my words. They wouldn't flow out properly. I couldn't order at a restaurant. Like, so for the longest time till this day, my water, my, my wife will still order for me because she knew how much of a struggle it was for me to order. And so now that I said yes to your podcast it's because through, through Toastmasters and through like Facing my fear, through facing my biggest fear. This is years and years and years. I've stuttered since I was a kid. Since we left Mexico, I had this massive stuttering problem. And at some point a couple of years ago, I, I saw that Toastmasters was actually helping me for something. You know, it's, it's weird. My, my favorite saying is, working on a weakness reduces the fear of it. Working on a weakness reduces the fear of it. I was finally facing this fear and I was going into this group and I was on stage, a small group, right? Toastmasters is this group where we practice how to public speak. Right. I was there not to public speak, I was there just to speak. I was there just to talk. And so that started giving me confidence and I got better. And so now it's interesting. I tell people, they're like, no, like, it was severe. This was not like, oh, once, like, you know, when you're little, it's like, oh, he's cute, he stutters. Mine was not cute. It was like this being being in college, knowing the answer and not being being fearful to raise your hand because you're gonna stumble through your words was my entire, most of my life I've been a stutterer. So now only, I bring this up only because it does feel good for me to talk about it and say, this is what I am. Because for the longest time, i try tried to pretend like, oh, no, 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 I just, I said that wrong. I was trying to like hide it. And Now I'm like, okay, this is who I am. I still have it. I'll never get rid of it hundred percent. But now that it's gone away, I say yes to every speaking engagement where I'm asked, because I feel like for the first time ever, I could get my words out. And I'm like, just so thankful and blessed that I could, that I could do that. And I know that's simple for anyone who hears this says, man, that's just speaking, but like not everyone could do that. And, and that was my disability. And so, I don't know, that's not like a fun story, but it's just a story that I felt like sharing. Oh, that's an amazing, Juan. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for the vulnerability
0: there. You're blowing my mind right now because, you know, I thought I thought I I could contain the extremes, but like, you know, 35 and now I know I was doing some research on you before our call, and you've got a YouTube channel, dozens of videos there. Can you talk a little bit about the business and the content that you create on YouTube and what it is that you hope to do through that for your for your clients and the audience?
1: Got it. So what I've done is more from a building trust, you know, like when you're in a business and you know, this is that we, we try to build trust, book appointments and serve our clients, right? Those are the main three things that we're doing, no matter what you're doing, right? But in order for me to really scale as a business, I needed to show people what I'm about. And so what I'm passionate about. And so because I, I learned early on, and, you know, after college, how to build wealth through real estate. And so I've, I've been fortunate enough where I own a large portfolio of properties. And I did, ex- Mark held up to his end of the bargain. Juan, I'm going to teach you how to build wealth, how to, how, to, how to become independent and wealthy by owning real estate. So he did that. And so now what I do is through my YouTube channel is teach others exactly what he taught me. And now I get to put my experience and my little twist to it and things that maybe I, I use or I learn. And so our YouTube channel is dedicated to teaching people how to build wealth through real estate ownership, whether it's apartments, condos, houses, everything. A lot of people want this information. And so our YouTube channel has is growing. It's growing quickly. And we have a lot of subscribers coming into us. And, and that is really, at first when I got started with this, it was, uh, this was actually part of my therapy is- having the camera on me, having to speak, this was not something that I wanted to do, but the feedback and the comments and the support and the people sending back comments saying, hey, I just did this because of your video, or I would love to work with you and your team, or can you refer me to someone in such and such place because I'm not in your area and now we're ready to do this, or we bought our first investment property because of you, or now we're on our third one because of you. It's those comments, I mean, that just keep me wanting to keep doing this. It's just, it feels good that people, care this much about the one, you know, one of the things that I'm really passionate about and uh, I'm super, super happy with the success of the channel. Oh, that's
0: beautiful. When you hear people telling you the success that they've had as a result of something, you've spent time, you know, overcoming your challenges with stuttering and and getting in front of the camera. What's the name of the YouTube channel so that our audience can look
1: it up? Yeah. So it's just youtube.com forward slash sage real estate. So Sage Real Estate is my company and the sage is, you know, sometimes people ask, why did you choose that? Mm-hmm. Sage is another word for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that like when we're advising our clients and our friends on, on the next investment step to make that, it, that it's, it's backed with a lot of wisdom and sage advice from what we're telling people to do.
0: Well, throughout their, our time together here, you've definitely shared a lot of sage advice for us. And I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time, first of all, and coming on and talking about it sharing some of your feelings and vulnerabilities and if our audience wanted to get a hold of you where can what's your website or where can they get a hold of you
1: yeah so check out our youtube channel but my my website is uh, w.sageregroup.com so that's sage re for real estate regroup.com so check it out if if anyone has any questions or wants to run something by me i you know Tell me that you heard me on Amin's podcast and I would love it. Love to hear from you. That's awesome. Okay. Once again, Juan, thank you
0: so much. I really appreciate your time and I'm really grateful that you were able to spend some time with us. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you so much.